Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe the best way? No, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Podcast. I'm Dr. Sonny Spera, still filling in for Drew Burns as Drew gets... uh, all his stuff together and we're hoping for his return and in the meantime I'll do my best to fill those big shoes so our our special guest we have a really neat uh podcast today Uh, this was great I put something on Facebook on the fee-for-service group and said hey anybody have any ideas or want to talk and Jessica reached out to me and she said you know uh, you know I have this concept where I use dogs in the practice and therapy dogs and I just think it's a phenomenal, fascinating idea. And we have actually entertained it a little bit in our practice. So I am so excited to talk to her. And hopefully, we will all gain some great information from her because I know she's got some great stuff to share. So let's let's get into it. Um, I do want to do a fair introduction, though. So let's say, all right, so Jessica Bertolio graduated from the University of Illinois at Chicago Dental School 2002. She did a GPR in Iowa, went into private practice as an associate 2003. In 2014, started her own practice as a scratch startup. Yes, people, it can be done. After (laughs) working for many offices, I pieced together what I thought was an ideal practice should encompass, and hopefully we're going to get into that. And I'll I'll explain that. And therapy dogs came in on her first year, a a bit of serendipity. And the business has grown to what it is today. So with that, please welcome Dr. Jessica Bertolio. How are you? Hi, great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is exciting. I'm so glad to have you. And I can't wait to hear your story, hear your journey, and then hear this, this neat aspect of your practice that I'm sure others have heard about or you know I I remember um, I used to do a lot of work in the nursing homes and one of the nursing homes had just introduced dogs into their their and and to me it was annoying because I had patients and then these dogs were running the halls and I was like oh my goodness I got to get this patient into this room and you know that kind of stuff so I but the, the the feedback and the response from the team and the staff at this particular facility was so overwhelming. It was great. So 
I can't wait to get into it. So tell us. It's a lot of fun. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. I'm really excited to talk about what I do. Oh, I love it. So, so fill us in. So you went to the University of Illinois at Chicago Dental School. Where'd you go to college? Uh, U of I, Champaign-Urbana. Okay, so you're you're like you're 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 an Illinois person. Yeah, Illinois, yeah and my right? practice is in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. So I, uh, we went away for a short time and then came back. Okay, so what 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 uh, sparked your interest in dentistry? Did you, was it a young girl? Tell me about your. your uh, so you know, I actually my most of my life I thought I would be a veterinarian because I'm an animal, just an animal person, and I, I've always loved animals of every kind. And it, when I got into really, you know, when I was older and realized what really had to be done, um, I decided I didn't want to deal with death, <laughs> life and death. And so um, I wanted to go into medicine in some way, but really decided that, you know, dealing with that aspect of it, I wasn't a big fan of. And so I, um, I just learned of dentistry and actually my, so at the time was my boyfriend, but now I married him. His dad is a dentist and he talked to me about it and invited oh, me yeah. to come to his practice and um, to see it. And I, I really loved it. I love being able to talk to people and have healthy people walk in and walk out and mm -hmm. get to know them and see them every six months. And that relationship is what really, um, made me very interested in dentistry. And I just happened to be very good with my hands and very artistic and um, very empathetic. So I kind of had everything that I thought would make, you know, make it a good profession. And yeah, okay. and it has been. Now, is your husband in the field with the, with the with uh, he's, no, he's a physician. So he's a physician. He's actually a neurosurgeon. So he, um, he considered dentistry and, you know, we were, it, it, we we're probably at the point of applying to all schools. And I knew really since my first year of college that that's what I was going to do. And he really kind of made a decision at the last minute to apply to med school and, and you know, go that route. But, um, you know, I, I was sort of like, this is my thing. <laughs> right, yeah. So, you know, yeah, he went to med school and be, yeah, became a neurosurgeon. I mean, 15 years of training later, you know, he he became a neurosurgeon. So yeah, we've, we've had a journey. It's been, it's been good. So you're, you're definitely your father-in-law's favorite daughter, right? I mean, let's, be <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, you know, let's just get it out in the open here. I, I think so. <laughs> we, we have a lot of fun. I mean, we, yeah, he's a, oh my gosh, he's been a great mentor for me and, and, um, oh, great mentor. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I, anytime I have any, any question, concern, anything, I talk to him about it and, you know, his years of experience have helped me a lot. And um, I know in his last few years of practice, I introduced him to CEREC and a, a bunch of other technologies that I loved. And, and we had a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. And he's <laughs> retired now, but he's sure. retired and living the good life in Scottsdale. And there you go. Um, yeah. So tell me when you're in dental school, first of all, just tell me about your dental school experience. How did you find it? Did you find it um, in dental overwhelming school. or what? Tell me about it. Well, you know, it's almost been 20 years. Um, it, oh, mine, was, so <laughs> it was, I mean, it was challenging. 
moving for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, you know, I really always wanted to do well and academically, it was always super important that I got good grades and, you know, in dental school, it, it was a lot harder than, than college, obviously. And um, yeah, it was, it was challenging and good and stressful. And I feel like UIC prepared me really well, actually, for the real world. I think that their program at the time, I mean, I don't know how it's changed or if it's changed, but I feel like the requirements were hard enough and we had to do enough cases that when I got done, I mean, granted, I did a GPR, which then gave me that year to kind of practice and keep learning, but I felt super comfortable going into a GPR with what I knew coming out of dental school and then you know, going into private practice again, it was, you know, I felt, I felt pretty comfortable with basic dentistry anyway, and just kind of knowing that, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just, I knew how I felt appropriate learning new things and, you know, how to limit myself, how to learn it, how to take other classes. But um, yeah, it was good. It was really good. I mean, it was, was hard. There any, was there any parts of dentistry that really lit your fire? Like, were you thinking, oh, geez, I might go into surgery? Yeah, or... surgery. I Surgery, definitely. I love um, I love surgery, and I do as much of it as I can in my office now. And Blood I just and guts, I right? jump in. Yeah, I um, I mean, I placed implants. You know, I've got, um, you know, I have CEREC and uh, the Serona CT. So I do the whole, whole digital integrated everything. It's really fun. And so um, I love, you know, anything within my comfort zone. I mean, I, I, I definitely refer out a lot of things that are for an oral surgeon. I mean, I, and I, anything that anyone wants to be sedated for, I don't do sedation. I don't even do nitrous. I mean, we really just, we manage people and, um, you know, we don't really have, you know, and not, you know, with, we do a lot of things to help people have just a better experience, but you know, any major surgeries I'm sending out. Um, but I do love surgery and I love, um, you know, but I really like, I mean, I really like all phases of dentistry. I really do. I love, um, I love meeting families and seeing kids grow. And, um, I love taking, you know, nervous people and making, making it better for them. I love seeing someone who comes in crying for the first time because they're so nervous and scared to be at the office, <clears throat> excuse me. And then, you know, a year or two years later, they're coming and smiling, bringing me flowers and hugging me. I mean, like those patients are why I do what I do a hundred percent. And, you know, we do really well for those patients. And that's been a little bit of my niches and that's the dogs. I mean, part of that is the dogs is that, you know, it gives, it's one other thing that we have to help patients just be more comfortable in that setting. And, um, you know, like we all know being dentists, I mean, there are people with true phobias and uh, it's just, it's been just one more little thing that has helped people have a better experience. But that, that's fun for me. And I, I just, I kind of like all phases of dentistry. You know, it's hard, it's challenging, it's rewarding for sure. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. So you went to your GPR, you enjoy all parts of uh, all parts of your, you know, the practice. You uh -huh. have a little affinity towards the surgical end, which is cool. Mm -hmm. So um, so after your GPR, you said you went in as an associate. How did first of all, how mm -hmm. did you go about finding that associateships? Was it was it uh, so my, 
actually my, so I did a GPR in Iowa and the head of surgery knew of someone um, in town that was looking for an associate. And because my husband was doing a residency at Iowa, we were there for seven years. And so, you know, a year out of my GPR or in my GPR, I knew that I was going to look for a job in private practice, but you know, being a university town with a dental school, it's pretty hard to find a job as an associate. So I actually, I found a job a few days a week in Davenport, which was 60 miles away uh-huh. via Route 80. I mean, 60 miles straight on 80, pretty much. And I, I took that job a few days a week. And then the head of surgery at Iowa knew of a business owner, private practice owner in, in the you know, in Iowa City, that was also looking for work a few days for working for someone, uh, looking for someone a few days a week. And so I was introduced to her and worked for her a few days a week. And then that's, that's what I did for mm, six more years. Yeah, I worked both of those jobs. So So you had two associateships. I did. I did two days at each. How far apart were they? 60 miles. That's a little different. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What, and it was, it what were the, I, I didn't have how, kids how at the, the time. So, how were the practice? I mean, so you, but you, so you have in your mind, I'm going to be here for, you know, a period of time, right? Based on kind mm-hmm. of what your husband is doing. So, mm-hmm. what did you pick up from the practices and how different were they? What were the, what were Oh the- my gosh. So different. Um, you know, and in hindsight now, especially thinking about fee for service, you know, and just what you do. The one practice, I actually don't even know if they were in network. I knew that little about it at the time. I just got a job and I worked there. Now, the other one I know was an all Delta practice. (laughs) And it was, you know, it, it was because the university gave Delta and it was on the university. So that was, you know, I, I knew that, but I still, being an associate, didn't even know what that meant, really. You know, I didn't see the write-offs. I didn't even know. I, and then the boss, you know, that my boss never talked about it. So um, they both were, you know, they were good practices. They have different fields, for sure. The Davenport office had many more, uh, like, farmer-type people and, and a lot of, like, uh, older families and um it was basic dentistry I mean they both were they you know and then the one in the, the university practice was more artsy more kind of uh a little more organic type patients and but super fun I mean I loved it and that and she was a great mentor for me she was my first really good mentor. I mean, my father-in-law was a good mentor, but at the time, I mean, I was just out of school and I was, I saw her twice a week. And so um, she was fantastic. And that, that was a really, really good practice. And when I envisioned owning a practice, I wanted something more like what she had than, than what we had in Davenport, but that was just, I, I don't know. That was just my personality and her personality, but but you can take and draw from each, right? And then you oh, create, I, I absolutely Yes, and I absolutely did. And just like all jobs. And then I had, you know, once we moved on, I had other jobs that I that I learned from and took from and, you know, learned how I wanted to do things and how I didn't want to do things. Right. So now you, you so, so you're there six years. So that's 2003 to 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And then what came next? Because in 2014, you said you opened your own. So what happened? For right. The- so I, so my husband actually did a fellowship in Australia for almost, it was like seven or eight months. So 
It, that was actually 2000, let's see, that was 2009. So we moved to Australia and we had, I had, we had a little, had a toddler and a baby. And obviously I didn't work in Australia. So we, we were, we were there. Then we came back. Did and you look back. In, Did you look Pardon? into working there? Could you work there? I believe I could have, but I knew we weren't going to be there long enough that I would have done. If we were there a few years, I would have, I would have looked into getting my license there. Um, I think it was a possibility for sure. I just didn't. Okay. And two young ones, like you said, you had a toddler and a baby. So you, yeah, it was was perfect timing for all of that. And then, um, then we moved back to the suburbs of Chicago. This is where my, my husband got a job when it's, it's, he still has it and um, came back and, you know, his, that's, his dad's practice is, was here. He sold it, but he, when we moved back, he still had the practice. And so I actually worked with him a day or two a week for several years. Okay. Um, and then I worked at an office closer to my house for a few years. And then that's when, you know, I just decided after, you know, a few years of that, I was like, you know, I really should do my own. Yeah. What, so. what was, what was the light bulb? What was the genesis of that idea to do your own thing? Oh gosh, that's kind of a cool story. So um, I was in one office that just was going, you know, undergoing some transitions and there was some instability there. That was not my father-in-law's practice. That his practice, he was wanting to sell, but it was an hour away from where I lived and I didn't want to drive an hour each way, especially after doing that driving to Davenport, Iowa in my first job, I knew I didn't want to commute an hour each way. So, you know, his practice was for sale. I think he was, you know, he had some leads on it and I, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal that I didn't buy it. I was like, I think it would have meant he would have maybe liked it, but, you know, I think he also fully respected the fact that I didn't want to own a business an hour from my house. So he sold his practice um, and then I was in this other job that was just not, let's just say it just wasn't great. And, um, I was driving home from an office meeting that we had at this not so great job. And I was just like, you know, this could be done so much better. And I'm driving home and I drive past this little shopping center that I've driven past a thousand times. Cause I've lived there now a few years. And I looked to the right and I thought, that would be a really good place for a practice. It's high visibility. It's on a major road. I'm like, gosh, I wonder why a dentist never went in there. I should go in there. And by the time I got home, I was like, I think I'm going to look into that. And then the next morning I went running. I, I'm a runner and, you know, I used to be pretty athletic, but I run and one of my running partners and I, you know, we're good friends. And so I'm telling her about this whole thing. And I said, I think you know, I think I might look into that space. And she's like, Jessica, you should do it. And by the time we were done running, I was like, all right, I'm calling. So I called that day about the space. And that was October, I believe. And by December, I had hired the builder, signed the contract for the space. And it was a cement block. It was open. It was vacant. And it had, you know, it has windows and has high visibility and it's bright and cheery. And that was all kind of part of my plan as I wanted to create a space that wasn't in this dark, gloomy, you know, industrial type building or, you know, business type building or, uh, you know, corporate type building. I wanted something that was just not 
like a typical dental office. I wanted windows in every room. And so that was part, that was kind of the start of it. <laughs> oh, hello. Wait, I, I can't hear you. Oh, I'm not hearing you. Oh, there you go. You. That was me. That was me. How many? Okay. I, was like, I, don't, I don't hear you. <laughs> how many? How many square feet was it? How big was it? It is uh, 1,600 square feet. Okay. And I have four operatories. I have a tiny little reception area, a tiny little uh, office. Um, we have a patient bathroom and a staff bathroom and a miniature kitchen area break room. It's pretty, it's a small little place. I really built it to be more of a boutique practice. Uh -huh. um, I, I never want to run a, a factory practice. I never want to run, you know, six rooms at once with four hygienists. And I, I just knew that I wanted more of, you know, I want to spend time with every patient and I want to not be rushed. And so my whole, you know, the, the four operatories is just fine for me. And um, yeah, it's okay. So, it's so you you're jumping in. You're going both lungs now. You're diving right into this. So, so now um, now comes your vision for your practice. Talk a little bit about that because you said you knew what you did. You know, yeah. you, you you talked about your design. You wanted it bright. You wanted it light. You wanted it different. So, so what what's your vision for the actual practice itself? What what did you in, in the amalgamation of all these other practices that you've been at? What did you want your practice to be? Well, you know, definitely I wanted everything I do to be not scary. You know, I want the, the front desk to be bright and cheerful and welcoming. And I want, you know, the person sitting behind the front desk to be cheerful and happy and welcoming. And, um, you know, I had, I put a water feature, a waterfall feature, and then my daughters and I painted the painting. That's part of that. And, you know, I wanted, um, everything to be so that patients walk in and they're not more scared than, you know, than they already are. So, you know, it, it that, that was kind of it. And, and the start of it was that I know, you know, I'm a very, I, I'm a kind, empathetic person. And I, you know, I really try everything I do with, with dentistry is, is from that. And, and I realize in a lot of, in some situations, you know, we can't help everyone. I know that, but I, I knew that, you know, by taking more time, talking to people, spending the time, um, having it be pretty and not smell bad. And, you know, we do, you know, we do essential oils, we do, you know, we do things to make it smell nice. And, um, you know, we offer blankets and weighted blankets and, you know, we have Netflix and we have, you know, everything we offer to patients to just make it a little bit better. Um, and then, you know, obviously the dogs now, but um, initially before, because I didn't have the dogs in my plan when I started it, it was really just, I want to create a very good experience for people. Okay. And that, you know, because you're going to have to hire your team and you're starting from scratch mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you really have to have you know you really have to have a vision of where you want this and the culture that you want to create and mm -hmm. you know that yeah. kind of thing so so let's get into it now so now and as we talked a little bit before the show before we started recording you talked a little bit about how you even got into the whole therapy duck so talk about that because that has something to do with your team so let's talk Absolutely. about Hiring Absolutely. your team and then and then how that how that evolved because yeah. well the, it, I love the story because it was just so um, 
it was a roundabout way. I mean, I hadn't been thinking about hiring. Mm-hmm. I you know, hadn't been thinking about having the therapy dogs. I had dogs and I love dogs and I, you know, I was, I'm an animal lover. So I knew that, and I, and I recognized that animals are used in therapy in a lot of medical settings, hospitals and such. And so I, I knew, okay, well, this could be a possibility. I had just never really put it together. So I hired my, one of the first people I hired was um, a part-time front desk person and had a super reputation, you know, came through recommended by someone else as being a very kind, empathetic uh, person who just, you know, okay, you know, she'll do really great for you. So I, I, you know, came in for an interview, hired her, and found out that she is a trained you know she 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 does dog training she went through she went through a top program she trained police dogs and seeing eye dogs and therapy dogs of every kind and then now pets you know she was she has a business now where she's training pretty much all dogs so she had she told me that and I said well I have a puppy you know we just got a puppy and a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel which are you know great great now, I mean, now that I know them, they're great therapy dogs, they're just great dogs. And she had done some training, you know, she, so I hired her for that and she had come and trained the dog and she said, you know, have you ever considered having him work at the office? And I was like, well, gosh, I mean, yes, I have. I just don't know how I, how to go about that. And she said, well, I do. And I think he'd be fabulous you know, as a therapy dog. And I was like, I think that is such a great idea. Let's do it. And I just, we just jumped in. And so she, you know, she trained him. So she took him for six weeks to her house uh, and her her business is out of her house. Um, And, you know, we called it college. I mean, he went off to college because he, you know, she needed that time with him to train him on, you know, and it's, it's more than just the sit and the stay. It was how to, how to jump on, you know, how to jump on the chair and sit at the feet and not move and how to know not to move forward and sniff people and how, you know, there, there's a lot of things that she trained him that you wouldn't think about, but, but really though, a lot of dogs would jump on someone's lap and want to kiss their face. Well, we, he's trained not to, you know, he's trained to sit and just stay and just be. And, now he naturally does this. Um, that's my dog Cole, and he is a. Uh, I I I can't even explain other than he knows and he can smell when people are anxious, and mm-hmm. um, he will go right up to someone who's nervous and anxious, and even just sit at their feet. And it's happened so many times. I'm getting maybe kind of going off on a tangent, but he's so many times he has been at work and walked right up to the room where someone, a new patient, let's say is, and they're in there and they're so nervous. And he sits right outside the room waiting to be invited in. And of course, a lot of, you know, our patients know that they're there. So, you know, patients get a glimpse of them, they'll say hi, and then he'll go anyway, just tail. But he is, he's exceptional. He just knows when people are anxious. So she, anyway, back to her training. So she, um, yeah, so she trained him. And then because she was on, you know, she worked at my office, she continued that training with patients initially and uh, worked with them for, for a short time. I mean, it, you know, they, they were good dogs and easy to train. So 
Um, you know, she didn't have to do a lot after, but we would definitely make sure that they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Okay. So she has this business in addition to working for you. <laughs> does she train dogs or does she train specifically therapy dogs? Um, both all, you know, she, so she has the ability uh, to train any kind of dog. She's, you know, like I said, she's trained police dogs and seeing eye dogs and worked in that capacity. Um, she started her own business, I think, just to train dogs. I mean, you know, she's in suburbia of Chicago, you know, so I think she's mostly training pets now, but, um, you know, but she has definitely trained, you know, all capacities. So if someone wanted to do this, if someone said, hey, you know, I, I should try this, mm -hmm. they need to find someone who has the skills and ability to train right. them appropriately, yeah. right? Right. And, I, and I've definitely, you know, so I, I've referred a lot of people to her just for general, general training, but um, I, oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel like, especially because I got into this not really knowing about it. I wouldn't have gotten into doing it unless I had a trainer who knew, who really knew everything and, and could train them to the best, you know, the best of the ability to be trained. I mean, they're still dogs. So, you know, you, you know, I just wanted to be very careful with it and, and have a professional trainer kind of behind what I was doing. Okay. So your advice though, if someone's going to do it, to what, what would some of the questions they would ask? Like if they said, yeah, yeah I train dogs, but you're looking for some yeah. dog to become a therapy dog. You know, I what, mean, I was, how would you go about you getting know, that? Not only experience really is with her, but if I were interviewing a dog trainer, um, I would, yeah, I would ask if they've trained dogs that work in a hospital setting or if they've trained dogs that work in a professional setting of some sort, you know, uh -huh. um, because it's, you know, there are different, you know, you just different behaviors you want to see and know that they, um, they're, you know, I, I would say that, that, you know, asking for a resume of, of what kind of dogs they've trained is definitely a priority. So how did, so, so, so you, you train, you have a dog trained Cole, right? You said, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. Cole, yep. uh, patient comes in, they know about it because you've done it for a bit, but how do you handle when you first started, how did you introduce it in, in, and how did, so, you had to have some negative reaction. You had to have some people say, listen, I like dogs, but I don't want them around this environment. I mean, how, how did sure. you handle it? So you know, it's actually less than you would think. So we have had, so when we started it, when we would confirm patients, we just started letting people know that we have a therapy dog in the office that's available to them if they would like it. And, you know, he's trained, he'll put a blanket on, on your legs. He'll sit, you know, he'll sit on your lap if you want, or, um, you know, he can sit at your feet. He can just be in the room or he can be out of your sight if you don't want him. And we only ever had, we've, we've never had anyone not schedule or not want to come in because of it. Um, we have had such an overwhelming positive response that I've had to hire someone to help me with my patients because we've grown so much because of it. So we have had, we have one patient who is allergic 
and we have a you know big alert, you know, just like you have alerts on anything. Um, and when she comes in, I keep them in the back. So she usually schedule first thing in the morning because we vacuum and we fog every night. So in the morning when she comes in, um, we, we I just keep them in the back and and they just don't come out until she's gone. But she has since then said, you know, I can be around them if I pet them and touch my face, my face gets, you know, I get itchy. So, okay. One patient. Um, I've not had anyone else have any, any sort of issue with it. But, uh, you know, I'm, here's, here's my vision, right? You have therapy dog and you have four operatories, you said. So <laughs> therapy dog, I'm in room one. And I hear the pitter patter of dog feet go by me, mm -hmm. and go into room two. And I think to myself, geez, I, it's kind of odd, but you know, but you said you offer the therapy dog. So the person should be aware that there are dogs available for this. Right. Never, never been an interaction in the office. A person has made a statement such as questioning cleanliness or sterilization. No, never, like that. never. So we, First of all, I make it pretty clear. I mean, our dogs get groomed, professionally groomed every other week. And I brush them every day before I take them in. Our office is so immaculately clean. We vacuum sometimes three times a day. You know, we, we just keep the office super clean. And not that we need to because of dog hair, but we just, I'm just a neat freak and I want everything to be super clean and nice. So um, no, I have never had anyone ever say, I don't think this is clean enough. I don't think this is right. Um, I, I'm guessing that maybe if someone thinks that they just don't schedule and come into my office because we get most of our referrals now because people love the idea of having them present at that appointment because it just makes it better. Um, and what I usually refer to, I mean, it, I really haven't had anyone ask me except other dentists about this. I mean, you, you're not the first person to ask me about that issue. Um, and what I always say is, you know, dogs go to cancer wards. You know, dogs are in hospitals seeing sick cancer patients. And, you know, it's the same sort of thing where you bathe them. You know, they're up to date on all their vaccinations. Um, you know, it's, it's not like I'm taking a mangy mud off the street. I mean, these dogs are well more are, are better maintained than most humans. Let's just say. I mean, it, it you know, the, it's just a, it, it's just a, a I, I mean, they just I keep them at such a high level of cleanliness and and um, you know it's it's just not an issue. And so that's usually what I go you know kind of what I go to when I talk about having them in the office. So. So let's talk about the type of patients that attracts. So I would imagine you're going to get more high anxiety patients or more patients who have. Um, I sure I do. I mean, I definitely do. Um, I do anyway, though, because of just my practice model. You know, I'm very, um, I mean, I'm very welcoming and patient with high anxiety patients, I guess. And so, you know, I set up my practice to sort of attract those patients anyway, right? Yeah. Um, I do. I definitely do see a lot of high anxiety patients. I feel like I mentioned that to my dentist friends and they all agree that they do too. So I don't know if I really do or if I just think I do, but um, I get a lot of high anxiety patients. I see a ton of families and kids though. 
a ton and you know the kids love it and and for them to come in and jump up and down and hug Cole and then talk about you know and then I hear from patients every six months oh my gosh he's been talking about how he can't wait to come back in and see Cole at his next appointment he's been talking about it for two months we talk about Cole nonstop at our house like I hear this all the time from patients and um it's it's, it's just fun, you know, that's fun for me. The, the fact that I am making something that is traditionally scary and bad and people hate right. into something that's fun and people talk about it. And um, you're also helping people break down barriers to treatment. Of course, 100%. And well, it's huge, it, huge, it's huge service. Yeah. It is huge. And it's, and it's, and it makes it fun it makes it just I love having I love being part of helping someone overcome Mm -hmm. a a deep-seated anxiety about treatment that's um you know it's great it's just it's the best part of what I do so how long has Cole been with you in this capacity well, so Cole has been with me from the beginning since um he, he came on in in 2015 and then we actually got, I got, we got more dogs yeah, to train to. as therapy dogs, right? So we, I actually brought on another Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, um, a female, and she. What, what was it? What type of dog? And another Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, the same as Cole. Okay. Um, and she went through the training, and she just didn't love it. She didn't love it. She she wasn't comfortable sitting on patients' laps. She always wanted to jump down. She just never really, it, it wasn't, it's not her thing. It's not her thing to help people. She's very much a, she's kind of a diva of a dog. And so she's my pet. They're all my pets. I mean, they're all, they're all my pets. I mean, these are all my the dogs. Dog. <laughs> she is a total diva. So she is, she, well, I see she got fired because she just didn't really want to work. She was kind of lazy. So she, um, so she, <laughs> Did she get workers' camp? Did she get a little unemployment layoff? Oh, she gets workers' camp every day. She gets treats and, you know, she gets the same <laughs> regimen that they all get. She gets groomed every two weeks and brushed every day. I mean, she's so spoiled, but she doesn't have to work for her treats. So um, <laughs> she is, yeah. And then, so then we got, um, then we got a Pomeranian. And that, that was actually interesting. I did not get our Pomeranian to work in the office. I got the Pomeranian because I wanted a little, I wanted my own little lap dog. I just wanted a little dog. And um, it ended up that as a puppy, I brought him into the office a few times when Cole was working. And being small and fluffy and adorable, everybody wanted to hold him. And so in the beginning, I was like, well, he's not going to work here. Like, he's not a therapy dog. He's my dog. And that didn't mm-hmm. last long. It did not last long because he is a therapy dog. I mean, he is nothing but just joy in a little fluffy package. He sits on people's laps. He is so sweet. He is just sits there and lets people pet him. And so I put him through training. So I, I put him through the training that I put Cole through and because I was like, you know what, I think he's actually pretty good. And then, you know, so, so I don't routinely run all four rooms because I don't like that much chaos in my day. Um, but there are days where we have 
rooms going all day and, and it's busy. So it is actually nice to have more than one dog because we do have, I mean, now we have people calling to schedule with Cole. They don't schedule for their cleaning. They schedule to have Cole on their lap. And then they're like, okay, yeah, I need a cleaning. Can I have Cole? And then we mark Cole next to their name. Well, then at the same time, down the way, if we have an emergency and someone's really nervous, they want a dog on their lap. So we, we do need, I mean, I, I do use both dogs pretty routinely. And then I actually have, so I have another Pomeranian because I got, you know, because you can't just have one. They're so little and cute. I mean, they weigh five pounds. So what's, what's a few? Um, so we got another one and I did get the other one knowing I would train him and he'd work in the office because, you know, it, it, it many reasons. I mean, I just, I didn't, I always wanted to kind of have options with them and being able to bring them in and they all have different personalities and, and people have preferences. And so now, um, and I know Cole is very sought after. I mean, really people want Cole all day long and he, um, you know, so I kind of wanted some other options. So, you know, I have a few dogs. They're my personal dogs. You know, I, I say I have four dogs, but they weigh less than a large dog. I mean, altogether they weigh sixty pounds. So I'm like, you know, that's even a medium-sized dog. So <laughs> I just now you, said, now you said you brought someone in to help you. So I'm you have an associate. Yes. And yep. do they are they tied in with the dogs? As oh well? yeah, they love it. Yeah, they love it. And uh, and that's the thing. I mean, everyone in my business knows about what we do. So now when people come on. They know because even people were about to hire, you know, everyone checks out the office website and the office Facebook and the office Instagram and my dog, their dogs are all over that. And so people know, you know, people know what they're getting into. Um, please, so yeah. share that. please share that with me so I can put that on the show notes as well, please. Thank you. The website. Can we share what? Oh, the website. Oh, sure. Website, I, the Facebook, all that stuff. So we can put all those links in the. You, in want, the, you want me to just email it to you or text Yeah, it just you? email it to me. Uh, Yep. All right. Sounds good. Okay, I will. Go I will do that. I'm, I'm happy to have people look at it because it's, um, it's fun. So yeah, I mean, everyone, yeah, he knew, he knew coming on and actually his story is kind of neat. He's, um, he's a great, great, great dentist, a great person. I met him several years ago. Um, I was out of the office for a few weeks and I needed a little bit of help and I happened to come across him and he was able to help me. Um, and that was at a point in my practice where I was like all insurance and all overhead and no profit, but, you know, young business, but I was, you know, I needed some help and I just loved him and, and we worked great together. And, and, you know, it ended up that he took a different job or he couldn't help me anymore. And I really didn't need him. So it was like, yeah, that's okay. But we all stayed friends with him. You know, he stayed friends with my office manager and my assistant, my hygienist, and we all just became friends and stayed friends. And now he was in a situation where he is starting his own, his own scratch startup in Chicago, um, in the north, north side of Chicago. And he was kind of in a situation I feel like I was in when I started, where he was in a maybe not such a great situation and wanted to get out of that and wanted a job, but wanted a job while he was doing a startup. So we worked it out and it was just perfect timing for him to come back on board. And, um, you know, he's, he's hopefully going to be with us a few years while he's starting his, his startup. And, um, but, uh, you know, it, you know, it's really hard to find a good associate and he's just fantastic. And so we're gonna, we're gonna work with him and have him on board as long as he's willing to help us out. So 
Okay. That's our situation there. Okay. So with the therapy dogs, so you, you already covered it. So if a person schedules and they have, you know, three fillings and they want coal, they schedule it and coal is, is, is assigned yeah. to that appointment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how about, um, let me ask you this in the actual implementation. So you're in the chair, your, your patient's in the chair, you're doing a couple composites, let's say 12 mm-hmm. and 13 mm-hmm. and the dog, the, the, the dog does not interfere in any way. Like the, like, like mm-hmm. I, I could just picture, you know, you, your team, you just want to reach out and pet the dog, but you've got all your PPE on. Oh, sure. Right. No, no, we, no, we don't. I mean, we're, that's part of the training. The training is that we don't even, I mean, I can look at him and say hi, but he's working. And when he's working, he's laying down and the patient is petting him. Right. And that's how it goes. Like he, we never, we don't, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, obviously not, you know, and they're, that's why they're, you know, they're, and, and we try to have them be more like at their knees or at their, you know, kind of down on their legs. So they're away from, from us anyway, you know, we don't, I don't want them anywhere even near kind of my field of working, you know, sure. just because obviously I can't have my workspace have any sort of interference. Yeah. Now the Pomeranian you said is kind of like a, a lap, like, so they're petting. I could just picture them with them on their yeah. belly and just stroking. Yeah. And, and if you go on, so if you go on our, you know, our, if people go on our website or our Instagram page, I mean, we have lots of pictures of exactly what it looks like. I mean, a lot of patients that take pictures or, I mean, every single patient's like, will you take my picture so I can send it to my family or my kids? And then it always ends up you know, they use those pictures to review how great of an experience it was. So we see tons and tons of our, um, you know, patients have posted pictures with the dogs. And so you'll even kind of see how it is. What kind of growth have you seen in your practice over the last three years? A lot. Um, I can't, it's hard for me to give an exact number because I don't know, you know, because we, we've actually being in Illinois, we, we have, there's a mass exodus out of Illinois. I'm not sure if you know, but a lot of people are leaving the state. So we lose, I feel like. Wait a second. You're just like New York. Oh, yeah. The biggest population laws anywhere. So go ahead. Yeah. No, I think Illinois might be close, but it's, uh, so we've lost a lot of patients because people are just leaving the state. Um, but I mean, we had, you know, we had 20 patients scheduled in one day a few weeks ago, 20 patients. I mean, it was like, oh my goodness. So, um, it's huge. And so, you know, the biggest, I think the big thing for me in this way, in this regard, you know, I don't know, I'd have to look and analyze and have my accountants look and we'll, you know, I'd have to analyze the new patient number, which I just haven't done recently. Um, but we are on, you know, several of the the towns and the neighboring towns where we live have, you know, moms groups and, mm. you know, any dentist recommendation from these moms groups and our, our office is always recommended numerous times. And so we, well, it's not, it's not just the patients though, you know, it's, you're growing in spite of a shrinking area, right? Right. So mm-hmm, definitely. It could simply be, you get some, you, you don't have to have a huge new patient, but if you have a fair number yeah. of new patients that have been so fearful that now right. you're bridging the gap, they're going to probably be in need of a fair amount of work and right. you're going to provide the facility to get them there. Right. Let, me, let me ask you this. Do you use anything else? Do you use nitrous? Do you use... No. Any, 
So you, the only thing I do, I don't do nitrous. Um, the only thing, I mean, I'll do an occasional, you know, one milligram over as a Pam or something like that, you know, have them okay. have a driver, but no, I don't do any, anything else. I mean, we do, you know, we buffer our anesthetic so it doesn't hurt. I mean, we do, you know, I do lots of, you know, topical and I let it sit for 10 minutes. I mean, you know, we do a lot of things that just minimize the pain of the injection and, um, you know, and then, you know, as far as it, it's always one of two things, right? People don't like the shot and they don't like the noise. Well, the shot part I've got pretty, pretty much, you know, mastered. I mean, I can pretty much give an almost painless injection just because I take a ton of time to do it. And, um, you know, the, the noise, I mean, we, we put headphones and Netflix on and, you know, they can put their own music on if they want, but, you know, that's that I would always say, I wish I could invent a muffler for the high speed. That's the only thing I wish we could just do better in dentistry. But, um, because as far as every other aspect of making it better, I can do, I just can't make it noise free. So, um, but yeah, that's, yeah, you know, it's like you picture like, I don't know if, if you're old enough to remember that we cater to cowards kind of advertising, mm -hmm. very popular in dentistry. And, mm -hmm. and you're, you're, you're there, I mean, in terms of that's an attraction. And, and to me, right. that's anything we can do as dentists to knock down barriers is going to help. Let's talk about access to care. That's access to care. So let's say a person <laughs> speaks Spanish. Well, that's a barrier because we don't speak Spanish. But if you do, you've knocked down that barrier. Absolutely. And you name it, you know, I mean, you have the, the physical, so the ADA, right? So if a person's in a wheelchair, are you truly handicap accessible? That's another barrier. Mm -hmm. So I just love the story and I love the ability and how you are able to do that in such an organic way. Right? Mm -hmm. Just, you know, I think when you, when you talked about how the whole thing came out, just, it just very, it was very much and in talking to you, yeah. and, and people can't see you because this is an audio, but if you could see her face light up when she talks about the dogs and, and, and just just your 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 body language is like you're you're giddy, you know. And, yeah, and, it's fun. and people it's fun. people it's fun. get that though, right? It's yeah. fun. Your your yeah. dental office is fun. It's not a dungeon. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It is, I'll tell you, I mean, dentistry is hard and we know it I mean, it is a hard hard profession and we have hard days even with the dogs I mean we have you know it's just it is a hard profession and I I often think to myself I don't actually know if I I couldn't do this now without the dogs I mean it, it just for me even personally selfishly I get to have my dogs at work. I mean, so it, it actually is, it goes both ways. And this is something that I, 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 again, I think is, I don't know if I say serendipitous, I'm not sure if that's the right word. That's just the word that's on my brain. But we know as dentists that we have a high stress profession and a, a lot of us have to manage that stress and you have to find healthy ways to manage it. And my dogs, are a healthy way to manage it. I mean, I get to go to my office and write my patient notes and I've got my Pomeranian on my lap after the end of a day. And it's, it's fantastic, you know, and, um, you know, I get to go home and take them for a walk and, and just enjoy the time with them. And so, um, you know, I, I think about the fact that, you know, mo most, I mean, most, I don't know, most people, I think most people are dog people. I don't actually know that that's true, but you know, a lot of people like dogs. A lot of people understand what they do for you. 
on an unspoken level. You just know that. And so I think that's just it is like I've captured, you know, part of the population that loves dogs and knows what they can do for people. And it's, it's just been people, so helpful. It's a basic human need. People need love and dogs give love unequivocally. So I think that yeah. satisfies a basic human need. Let's, let's right. be honest, whether you like dogs or you like cats. Right. Or it is. Sure. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, you know, that's an underrated or underappreciated value. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I do want to, uh, I do want, I did want to ask one more question and then I wanted to kind of wrap up. Um, so in terms of, you know, working in, in the therapy dogs, Oh, Oh, I know what it was. We talked before the show, we talked about the fee for service and you said you were in the process of dropping certain insurances. It sounds mm -hmm. to me like it's an absolute no brainer for you to be a hundred percent full fee for service because you offer a unique Yes, you know, kind of I would like to be. I I would like to be, and I would like to work on that for sure. Now listen, I'm not nagging you. I'm not here to nag you. I'm not. I'm not trying to be your conscious like that little, you know, like Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder. I'm not trying to do that. Uh, but in just in talking with you and listening to you, and 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 you're just you're just passionate about it, and you provide a tremendous service. And I think for you to not really benefit fully from that i think you're doing yourself a disservice so mm -hmm. uh sorry um i That's guess okay. i can i'm a little older i can sure. say that i can be like no, the old sure. you're yeah. you're right you're completely right sorry i i sorry <laughs> I didn't mean to come like that um okay. Okay. so yeah, this has been a lot of fun so i want to and so many people are going to benefit from this i know i have and that's one of the fun things about doing this podcast i've met so many wonderful okay. people and it's such a, our profession is such a beautiful profession because it has openness, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we're taught, right. You're taught closeness. You're taught A, B, or C, uh, right. you know, it's not, and, and we're taught, you know, narrow, 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 narrow. And, and it's not, it's the, it's, it's really the exact opposite. And, mm -hmm. and it, for people to thrive and, and, and not just survive, but thrive in their own ways. And we all provide services. And, and just the passion that you are exuding, I think people are going to really get a great vibe off of this podcast. So I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. I okay. love it. My last question has nothing to do with dentistry. And I've asked everybody this, and it's been fun because everyone has a little different take on it. If you had the ability to go to anywhere, place, or time, and where, you know, like in back in time, middle ages, whatever it is, where would you go and why? Oh my goodness, that's Take a question. Time. Take your time. Um, where <laughs> would I go and why? Or when? When and where? It's like you're hopping in a DeLorean. You know, I have to say, I don't know. This might be a really non-creative answer, but I actually don't know that I'd want to go back in time because I really love the technologies of today. So when I think of going back in time, I'm like, oh my goodness, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have internet. And um, well, let's see, I'm a horse person and I would say I would, I mean, horse person, dog for some reason, but I would, I, when I think of going back in time, I think of going back and maybe watching some of the greats in my sport at, at an Olympics. 
And I know there was a, it was the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics where one of my absolute role models of a rider rode. And so I think that, I think that might be it. I, I don't know that, that that's just off the top of my head. I think I'd love to go back to some, some Olympics, summer Olympics where I can watch the equestrian sports and, and just be part of that. I love it. Off, and you know off, what? Totally off a tangent, but uh, but yeah, you, probably. You couldn't have another, but you couldn't you couldn't give another answer because it wouldn't be true to you. Because <laughs> right? you say, because people say I love animals. Yeah. And then there are people who breathe. I love animals, and you yeah. breathe. Right? So oh, I do. I hundred percent do. And and um, this has and been it's, fantastic. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you reached out and I would love to have you as a follow-up because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are I going would to, love it. you know, I would love it. I would love to do it again. And I'd love to, you know, I, I could talk about this all day long. Yeah. Please. And please send me that information. Cause I know people are going yep. to want to follow you and I'm, I'm not a huge sure. people, but I know a lot of my folk, my brothers and sisters are, and yeah. I think they should really appreciate you in your full glory. So I will. I'll send that to you. Yep. Right away. All right. Have a great day. Thanks for being on our podcast. Bye. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our Fee for Service Dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.